Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh, so much for the many things you blessed us with this day. And oh, so many more to come. We thank you every day for the many things. So much to look forward to. Please be with us now as we get into your word to study about some of those things. The wondrous place we have to look forward to called heaven. Thank you oh so much. Be with us now as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z in the word heaven, if you will, turn to 1 Peter in chapter 1. Of course, this is a letter of, of Peter sent out to all the churches. Pick it up right in chapter 1, verse 1, where it reads, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Talking about what we have reserved in heaven. And what we can really look forward to is to have the glorified body that he's referring to and be able to be like Jesus Christ and be able to be with Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father and the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth for eternity. But let's continue here. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season... If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory." receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look unto. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter here referring to 
the fulfilled prophecies that he himself was able to experience and witness firsthand. The prophets of the Old Testament time that he refers to, looking forward to what would happen during the time of, of Peter. We now look back at the records of what happened and look forward to the prophecies of what is yet to happen. And including that is the new heaven and the new earth that we have to look forward to. And it is amazing what the Lord has already done for us and what he continues to do for us and what he will do for us for eternity. Now, if you will, turn over to the second letter of Peter. In Second Peter, in chapter 1, pick it up in verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here pointing out his experiences, firsthand eyewitnesses of the experiences that he had with the Lord, hand in hand with the Lord, some three plus years there that he had spent with the Lord there in the area preaching and teaching and then being filled with the Holy Ghost and being able to expand that out to even to the Gentiles. Amazing what he had been through, and he's flat out telling them it wasn't some made-up story. It's what we have experienced, as he continues in verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. You can go back and refer to the Mount of Transfiguration it's known as and recorded in the Gospels when the Lord was transfigured right before the eyes of Peter and James and John. As he continues, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost." Here pointing out very, very important point about prophecies, about the scriptures, about how everything works together in harmony that we have in the Word of God. The prophecies, then fulfilled prophecies, experiences that they were able to have and recorded for us, the history, the accuracy of the things that we have preserved for us, preserved by God for us believers to help us walk the pathway that He wants us to be on, to bring honor and glory to Him, to be prepared for the coming of the Lord, to be prepared for that fiery judgment, to be prepared for the new heaven and the new earth that we have to look forward to as born-again Christians. And let's take a look at what Peter says about what's going to happen to this current earth and creation and the coming of the new heaven and a new earth. In Second Peter chapter 3, where it reads, 
This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Once again, referring back to the prophecies that have been fulfilled, that he was able to experience the fulfilling of, that we look back and read those and and see them how they were all fulfilled in intricate details. And then we know the prophecies that are about the present time being fulfilled and the prophecies about the future that we have to look forward to. So we can take confidence in all the prophecies when we see them fulfilled in such intricate accuracy. He's knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. We see this being fulfilled now, and it will be on the increase the closer we get to the very last days. And there are a lot of scoffers. There have been scoffers all through history, and they are truly on the increase in the world today. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They try to say, well, look how long it's been. It must not be anything to it, because look how long it's been. Look at all the time that has flown by. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Here he's referring to the history and the scoffers about the history. There are many scoffers that doubt creation itself. They believe in some made-up fairy tale about evolution, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's amazing how anybody could believe in such a thing. But you have that scoffers, and those, the only way they can believe in such fantasiful things is that they are willingly ignorant. They're willingly ignorant of the truth. The truth that can be seen all around us. And one of those he speaks of here is speaking about creation itself and about the judgment of the whole planet with the worldwide flood. They completely try to rewrite history and try to throw in billions of years and other events and chaos theory and I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's all because they do not want to acknowledge the truth that is found in the Word of God when it comes to primarily accountability. That's where it always boils down to. If they, within themselves, can convince themselves and then others around them that there is no God that he did not create everything in six literal days, that he did not judge the planet with a worldwide flood, then they can be more comfortable in their ways, in their sinful, lustful desires being fulfilled. They can take comfort in knowing that they don't have to answer to anybody for the things that they do. That is why they are willingly ignorant. They want to be sinful creatures. They want to stay sinful creatures. That's what it all boils down to. And that's where the scoffers come from, a place of selfish lusts. Get back into it here in 
2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This is a very important event that is going to unfold. The destruction of the entire created existence of all creation being destroyed. But it is currently being kept in store by the Word of God, by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ spoke all of it into existence, and by His Word, He keeps it in existence. You have these people out here that have been brainwashed into thinking that the earth is being destroyed by mankind, that mankind is in control of the climate, that mankind is going to destroy this planet if they don't change their behaviors and pay a bunch of taxes. It all comes down to they don't trust the Word of God, they don't trust Jesus Christ. Yes, we are stewards. He has given us dominion of this planet. Therefore, we have responsibility to take care of everything the Lord has blessed us with, including this planet. Yes, I'm 100% for taking care of what the Lord's blessed us with. Do not pollute the planet. But don't become delusional. Don't worship the planet. And don't think that we have any control over the weather, because we do not. Can we trash things and make it uncomfortable for us to live here with dirty water and dirty air? Yes, but we don't control the planet. That's the destruction of the planet or the preservation of the planet. That is the Lord's doing. He's holding into existence. He's only going to allow us to do so much until he stops us or make changes. Simple as that. He has the power and authority, not us. People need to yield to that and understand that and know the responsibilities of it as well. We are stewards. Take care of everything the Lord has given us, our bodies, the world around us. But don't lift them up and worship them like the naysayers and the, the climate change individuals and the earth worshipers and the animal worshipers. They get things all out of balance. You need to get things in their proper order. Put God number one. Love Him with all your existence and love others as yourself and, and be thankful and take care of everything the Lord has blessed us with. And then we'll have a joyous, wonderful life now and for eternity. It's there for the taking. But people get confused because of the scoffers, because of those that are willingly ignorant. Let's get back into it here in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7 again. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is outside of time. He spoke time into existence on day one. Therefore, He is in control of time. And to Him, whether it be a minute or whether it be a thousand years, it doesn't matter to Him because He's outside of time. We, it's a totally different situation. We are bound by time. We feel time. We suffer time. But the Lord is patient. These slackers, 
these naysayers, these willingly ignorant ones, the scoffers, say that why hasn't he come back yet? That all these prophecies written so long ago and yet they haven't been fulfilled about the destruction of the planet and the new heaven and the new earth. Why hasn't it happened yet? Why? He tells us right here. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's patiently awaiting more to come to Him before He destroys everything and creates everything anew. He wants more to come to Him before that final judgment, before they get cast into the lake of fire for eternity. He's waiting. He's holding out. He's having mercy and grace poured upon us. And it is because He loves and cares for everyone. Read verse 9 again. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Here we see, he's telling us, that everything is going to be burned up. Melted away as he continues, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That's showing us where we need our focus to live a God glorifying life. Not worry about preserving a planet that's doomed for destruction. But like I said earlier, take care of what the Lord has blessed us with, including this planet. But don't be too upset knowing that one day it's going to be gone. It's all going to be destroyed, completely gone, in a new heaven, a new earth. Because he tells us here in verse 12, Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements itself, the particles that everything is made up with, everything melted away, gone, dissolved. You have these false teachers out here that saying, well, the Lord's just going to scorch the surface and then remodel it for us to live on. That ain't what it says. It says it's going to melt away even the elements. Everything gone. All of creation, the entire cosmos, all the planets, all the universe, all the cosmos, everything as far out as is created will all be dissolved and all brand new. As he says in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's where we can rejoice. That's where we can really be excited. To know that we have, looking forward to us, a new heaven, new heavens, plural. Let's talk about the whole cosmos, everything, brand new. Without sin, without Satan, without all of his followers, without the scoffers, without those willingly ignorant folks, they will be gone. They will be in the lake of fire for eternity. But we will be on the new heaven and the new earth 
and be able to enjoy all of that. As it says there in verse 12 again, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. We're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to the day that all of this gets destroyed and created anew. That is wondrous that we have that to look forward to. Way beyond what we deserve, that's for sure. Verse 14 again, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. That day of the Lord, when judgment occurs, when all of this is put into play, when a new heaven and a new earth are coming, we need to be ready for the destruction of this planet. We need to be ready for the great white throne judgment. We need to be ready for the judgment seat of Christ. We need to be ready for what's next, and that is the rapture. So much ahead of us. So be ready right now. How do you get ready right now? Right over there on the next page, the first letter of of John, the small epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how you can become without blame, blameless, as he says back over there in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Without spot and blameless. The only way to become spotless is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, to be cleansed of your sins, to be blanketed, covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we become white as snow. And keep that white as snow. If you stumble, if you mess up, take it back, get it taken care of. And be looking forward to the next major prophetic event to occur, and that is the rapture, and then all the many more things that kick in after that. So much ahead of us. So much that we cannot even begin to comprehend. But the main thing is to keep the two great commandments, to love God with all your existence, to love others as yourself. When you do that, all the others fall right into play. And then bring honor and glory to the Lord in everything that you say, everything that you do. And know that we have such an awesome future ahead of us as truly born-again Christians. Will it be challenging now? Yes. We have to endure these scoffers. We have to endure the naysayers. We have to endure the persecutions and the torturous treatment while we're here in this world, while we're in this realm, while we're still in this physical body, while we're still dealing with that tug-of-war between the flesh and the spirit. But we can take encouragement when we receive the Holy Ghost and He is the Comforter that can comfort us and and guide us and protect us and give us that peace that passeth all understanding that we read about. And it is so wondrous what we have to look forward to, way beyond what we can imagine in splendor and glory in the new heavens and the new earth. If you will, jump over to... Revelation chapter 21, another reference to the new heaven and new earth, and the vision that John, the Apostle John, was given in the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 
So everything in existence wiped out, not just the surface of the planet, but even the oceans, everything gone, wiped out, and brand new, created for us. Some folks say, well, all this time, there's going to be so many people that the earth isn't going to be big enough. Well, we don't know how big the new earth's going to be. It might be a thousand times, it might be a million times bigger than what we got right now. The Lord's going to create what we need to be able to be blessed in the way He wants us to be blessed for eternity. New heaven and new earth. Verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This New Jerusalem, the new city, it's going to be some 1,500 miles square, almost like a cube in area that it's going to cover. And he's seeing this come down from God and lighting upon the earth and staying upon the earth. And it's going to have 12 gates that we'll get into as we refer to the study. But those gates will be able to be entered in and out. We'll be able to go in and be right there with the Heavenly Father, walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ on those streets of gold and praising and worshiping and, and interacting with the Lord. And then those gates where we can go out also into the kingdoms of the world as he describes as we get further into it and be able to enjoy the new creation be able to enjoy those animals created in their perfection to be able to have interaction with them with no harm to us or to them all that to look forward to beautiful brand new existence with all the wondrous creatures created anew as he says here And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and I will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That is so awesome what we have to look forward to, to have that close personal relationship with the Heavenly Father. To be able to say Abba, which is like saying Daddy or Papa to the Heavenly Father. To interact with Him right there in the new city, in the new earth. So wondrous. And we got to be an overcomer. How do you become an overcomer? By overcoming your sins. And how do you overcome your sins? By trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and becoming dwelt with the Holy Ghost. And He gives you the power and the authority to overcome those sins. He has overcome everything. Given us the example that we can overcome it as well. When we receive Him into ourselves, then by His strength, His might, His power and authority, we can cast the devil out and kick him out and keep him out and be found blameless. So take it to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Be looking forward to that day. As He said back over there in First Peter chapter 3, where He said that looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens... 
being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's what we have to look forward to for eternity. So awesome. So wondrous. And way beyond what we deserve. It's truly by grace, truly by mercy, truly by the love of God that we have that available to us. We're going to wrap it up here, but we'll get back into a little bit more about the prophecies and the things that were written in the book of Revelation concerning heaven before we finish this series up. But that's all we have time now. Let's close. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the things you have preserved for us to be able to study that give us that encouragement, to give us that wondrous look, that little glimpse into what we have to look forward to for eternity. We truly thank you for it. And we know it is by your grace, your mercy, that you have that available to us. We thank you oh so much for that. Lead, guide, direct everything, say everything that we do, and help us to take the wondrous things you give us and go out and spread them out into the world so more can see the way to come to you because we know that you're patiently awaiting for more to come to you before it's everlasting too late. Thank you oh so much for all of it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.